Hello and welcome to Posting Up, the Washington Post NBA podcast. I'm your host, Tim Bontemps, National NBA writer for the Washington Post. Coming to you today from my place in San Francisco where I'm going to do a Reddit mailbag. Uh, sorry for the delay in the pod. It's been a very busy few weeks for me. Um, really want to try to get back into the swing of things next week, start doing a couple a week. Um, so hopefully we'll be able to do that. Got a couple of guests lined up for next week. Hopefully that will be good so we can get going with that. But I uh, wanted to jump back in, didn't want to have any more delays, so figured I'd do a do a mailbag pod to end the week, give people something to think about over the weekend and on the drive, you know, the drive home from work tonight and um and we'll see how see how things go. But I got a bunch of questions uh from the Reddit NBA thread from a post there. Thanks to everybody there. Uh, I've I've done this a few times now, I got a lot of good responses. So really appreciate all of the uh the feedback and support from from the, the community over there. So gonna try to keep doing this a lot moving forward. So Start with the uh, first question, from uh, uh, which is, is Jabari Parker a better player than Carmelo Anthony currently? I think so. Uh, Jabari has been one of the biggest surprises for me the entire season. I, I would I would pick him as maybe the most improved player right now off the top of my head. Uh, he's been absolutely tremendous. I, I almost put him on my all-star team um, as, a, as a reserve player. Uh, what I did my list this morning for the Washington Post. And I mean, he's really just been excellent. And, you know, when I watched him in college, I thought that he was going to be like Carmelo. That's always the kind of guy that he's reminding me of. He's a similar size, um, similar build. Uh, he's always looks kind of like he's a little overweight, even though he's not. Um, has a similar kind of game. Um, but he he's just really become a lethal scorer for them and, and is a perfect complement for everything that Giannis Antetokounmpo does. So, you know, there's there's a lot to be excited about Milwaukee right now. Chris Middleton sounds like he's going to be back soon, uh, which would be a really good uh, really good thing for for the Bucs as they try to try to get healthy and make a big run up the standings here. And, you know, having having a trio of uh, Jabari, Giannis, and, and Middleton moving forward makes Milwaukee a really fascinating team to watch in the Eastern Conference. Um, from do you, from Addy12, do you mind sharing the all-star starters ballot you put in with us? Uh, I do not vote. Uh, the Washington Post doesn't vote on awards, so I didn't have a vote. But the, the ballot that I would have submitted if I did and the one I wrote about was uh, I would have had Kyle Lowry and John Wall in the backcourt uh, in the Easter Conference. Uh, I would have had LeBron, Giannis, and Jimmy Butler in the frontcourt. I think those are all pretty solid picks. Uh, I, don't, I don't think there's a lot to debate about. Obviously, the one, the one Easter Conference spot that got some debate was the second guard spot. Um, Isaiah Thomas got a lot of love for that spot. He's had a great year. I think he should make the all-star team, but frankly, he has been one of the very worst defensive players in the entire league this season. And for all of his clutch scoring late, which has been remarkable, the, the Celtics have not been that good with him on the court in fourth quarters of games. And a part of that is because he is a really big liability on defense. So I went with John Walls, more complete players had a, a also had a terrific year. Um, and I, I definitely think that, um, Isaiah should make the team as a reserve, but uh, in the in the Western Conference, I would have gone with Westbrook and Harden, um, Russell Westbrook and James Harden, and then I would have gone with Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, and Anthony Davis. So you know, again, there was you know there was a little bit of debate maybe from people about the backcourt and Steph Curry start. I, I don't think he should have started, but at the same time, the the whole reason the NBA changed the voting rules was to make sure that they had ten deserving All Stars in the game. And that's what they got. And so the system worked the way they wanted it to. They weren't trying to legislate if um, certain players should or shouldn't get in, whether they should start or not. So um, in terms of the star players, they just didn't want guys like Zaza Pachulia starting and taking away an all-star spot from somebody who's more deserving, which I think is perfectly fine. Uh, from Chewy1313, uh, do you trust the process? In all seriousness, how do you view the Sixers' rebuild now that we've shown signs of life? Um, I mean, the Sixers rebuild was always going to be looked at in a certain way from my perspective, which was that 
Sam Hinkie kept swinging for stars. And if they got stars, they were going to be really good. And if they didn't, it was going to be a disaster. And, you know, it was kind of an all or nothing strategy. And it was, it was the one that was going to take a while to implement. But now you look at the Sixers. They've got Joel Embiid. They've got Ben Simmons. They're, they could have another high pick this year. Um, they have young guys to trade. They have some assets to trade and draft picks moving forward. Um, they've got the Kings pick in a couple of years. It looks like it could wind up being a really good pick, given the way Sacramento has been. So I, I think you have to look at the, the Sixers and, and say that they're in pretty good shape. And, you know, I, I've maintained ever since he got let go that the reason Sam Hinkie got fired, you know, essentially replaced and removed, however you want to term it, was that he didn't handle the PR side of his job correctly. And some people don't like to hear that and don't think that's fair, but the truth is that if you're a general manager of a team, you're the face of the franchise in a lot of ways, especially when it's a team like the Sixers that is going through the, the kind of seismic, you know, difficulties they were in, in trying to do something really out of the box. And Sam had an opportunity, I think, to kind of set the narrative about his team. And instead of doing that, he allowed others to do it for him. And that I think really wound up being his undoing as uh, as things got a little worse last year and and the the team just didn't look great. So um, I think Sam will wind up with another job at some point. I think he'll probably do a good job because he's a very smart guy um, and I think he has a lot of good ideas. And as you've seen here, you know he he drafted Embiid and took a chance on that and it paid off. And Ben Simmons will probably pay off and the Sixers will be in good shape. But you know that's that's kind of the the risk of the strategy that he went into that you're not necessarily going to be there around for the end of it. Uh, from Giannis 2020 MVP at this rate, he might be MVP sooner than that, but, uh, can Malcolm Brogdon be the Bucks long-term quote point guard when Malcolm, when Middleton comes back? Um, it's a good question. I don't know if Malcolm Brogdon is a long-term starter in the NBA, uh, but I do think he's a uh, definite rotation player. Um, He's, he's looked great so far with the, with the Bucks this year. And, you know, the fact they've got him and Matthew Delavidova together at the point, it gives them 48 minutes of solid play. And if you have 48 minutes of solid play at a position, you're in really good shape in the NBA. So um, getting Brogdon in the second round was a home run for for the Bucks, And just another guy, as I talked about earlier with, with Middleton um, coming back, they, uh, they're, they're a team that, that people should, you know, there's a lot to be excited about in, in Milwaukee with, with Brogdon now added to Middleton and, and Giannis and, and Jabari Parker. They should be a really, really fun team moving forward. Um, from I read it 270, are the Nuggets the next upcoming team that should be talked about? Fought defensively with Nikola Jokic has been a phenom, gives them a unique style to build around. Um, I'm not sure what to make of the Nuggets. Uh, I really do. I, I love watching Nikola Jokic. He's a tremendous player. He's one of the best passing bigs I've ever seen, even though he's barely been in the league so far. Just throws every game. He has an unbelievable pass or two. Um, but he, he's going to struggle on defense, and that that is something that it's kind of hard to build around. Uh, having a guy that really struggles there, you have to really build a team in a certain way. And um, I'll be really curious to see where the Nuggets go from here. They've got some intriguing young guys. I really like Gary Harris. Um, uh, I like Jamal Murray. I'm higher on Emmanuel Moutier than most. I think he can become a good player. I think he's got all the tools to do that. Um, you know, Juancho Hernan Gomez is interesting. Um, they've got Danilo Gallinari and Wilson Chandler. They've got uh, Kenneth Fareed. They've just got a lot of guys. And I think they need to try to make some trades and um, and and thin out that roster a little bit and, and kind of have a more defined rotation. Obviously, Yusuf Nurkic is one example of a guy that really needs to get moved on from there just to get somewhere where he can play a lot more um, because he's, he's not going to play over Jokic. And I think the uh, the Nuggets have recognized that. Now they're trying to get some value for him. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens in Denver, but it, it is definitely a team to monitor. They, they, they've been interested in Paul Millsap for a while. Maybe they make a run at him. If he shakes free again, I mean, it, it's, it'll be an interesting team to watch over the next month to see if they do anything going up to the, uh, the trade deadline in February. From Tito, our savior, who is 
Who in the West has the best shot at upsetting the Warriors? I would say probably Houston. I think San Antonio is going to wind up being really good again, as they always are. But I think the Spurs are going to struggle in the playoffs. Um, you know, I know Pau Gasol just got hurt, uh, broke his hand yesterday. But, you know, Pau and Tony Parker are both going to be liabilities on defense in the playoffs. And when teams can really exploit those matchups, I think they could wind up, you know, causing a lot of problems for San Antonio. And I think Golden State in particular could really take on those matchups. But, you know, Houston's got a really, a really uh, a style of play they can really, I think, carry over to the playoffs, even though some people disagree. Um, they're they're going to be able to, to score on anybody. Uh, and they can maybe be the one team in the league that can keep up with the Warriors in a, in a scoring matchup. I, I still think the Warriors are, are by far the best team, and if they're healthy, they're going to win the championship. But, you know, Houston has been fantastic this year, and, and I, I think if anybody's going to give them a real run, it, it probably will be them. From Ratatouille, what are your thoughts on the new All-Star process, uh, voting process? I think it's fine. Um, I know people had a lot of things to freak out about yesterday, but if it was the old process, people would have been freaking out about the fact that Zaza Pachulia was starting and, and uh, Russell Westbrook was not because Russell Westbrook wasn't going to start anyway under that system. So um, I, I think it's fine. I, I think making sure that there's 24 deserving all-star, all-stars in the, um, in the all-star game is a good move. Um, I, I think you know players really care about who makes the all-star team. Um, you know, it's an important uh, historical landmark for how, how guys are viewed long term. So I think that's that's an important thing to consider. So so yeah, I, I like the move and I, I think it's fine. Um, from Beta Boy ninety four, should the Celtics extend a max offer to Isaiah Thomas in twenty eighteen? I, I wouldn't personally. Um, Isaiah is a terrific player. Um, I, I think he also is a player that is a absolute perfect fit in the situation that he's in. And I don't know if he'd be as effective if he was in another one. Um, he's also a guy that is very small, who's going to be 28 after ne- – actually, he's going to be 29 after next season. Um, so you're going to be paying him basically from 30 to 34, and you're paying him over $200 million. I, I just don't see that contract working out very well long-term for him. So, um, But at the same time, you know, Boston could be stuck in a corner where if they don't have a guy to, to step into his shoes – Maybe they have to pay him anyway, um, and if and if they don't pay him, other teams I'm sure will want to. So that'll be that'll be a really interesting thing to monitor over the next year and a half to see where he ends up. But but I personally would not uh, would not pay him you know a 250 million dollar max or whatever it'll be after next season just because of the uh, the wear and tear he'll have on his body over the second half of that contract. Um, from JNA one, how do you think the Hornets fix their bench? Um, also, since you have a bit of insight into reasons teams sign people, why would the Hornets re-sign Brian Roberts? Um, well, I would say the Hornets re-signed Brian Roberts because he is a point guard and they needed another point guard, so they signed him. Um, that would be that would be my guess. I mean, he hasn't played much because their point guards have been healthy, but you you want to sign a guy like that um, who can fill in at a pinch if you need him and who is a, a serviceable backup. That can that can give you a minute. So you know, and Brian Roberts is a good guy by all accounts. So he just sticks around the league. And that's just kind of the way that kind of stuff works. As for the Hornets fixing their bench, I, I mean, I I don't really know. I don't really know what they're going to be able to do. I mean, they they they've got Kemba Walker, and Nikola Batum as kind of their two main scoring threats. But you know, other than that, I mean, they've they've got some decent guys. I mean, Frank Kaminsky has been taking a step forward this year. Um, you know, they've got Cody Zeller. You know starting for the most part and playing well. Uh, but Kaminsky's been decent off the bench. Uh, Jeremy Lamb's given him decent production off the bench. Um, you know, Spencer Hawes has, has at least shot the ball a little bit for him. Um, you know, I, I, they, they just don't have, after they spend a lot of money this summer, they don't have a lot of uh, 
flexibility to go out and add a lot of pieces. So, you know, my guess is, you know, they kind of are in a position where they have what they have. And, you know, maybe if they attach a first round pick to, you know, uh, Roy Hibbert and, and Spencer Hawes, maybe they can turn them into, you know, some higher level player making a little more money. But I, I just, I just can't, uh, I, I just can't see anything else coming up uh, that's really going to make a huge difference for, for this Hornets team. And they'll just hope to stay healthy instead and try to ride Kemba and do into a playoff spot and see where they go from there. From Russell Flexbrook, nice uh, nice handle on Reddit here. Will Carmelo stay with the Knicks? I believe so. Carmelo doesn't want to leave. Anybody who's been around Carmelo knows he doesn't want to leave. Um, he has a no-trade cost, so he doesn't have to leave unless he wants to. And unless you know the Knicks really try to blow things up, I, I don't think he's going to go anywhere. And the fact of the matter is, you know, the Knicks are not really in a position to blow things up. They signed Joakim Noah for four years and $72 million. They signed Courtney Lee for four years and $52 million. So, you know, they, they went and signed veterans this summer, and unless they, they turn around and, and sell off Lee at the deadline and, you know, really and move on from Derrick Rose and, you know, do a bunch of stuff like that, I, I just don't see how this team is going to be in a position where they're really going to tear it down. So at that point, they might as well just, you know, circle back and, and, and keep Carmelo. And the real question is going to be this summer, you know, what's going to happen with, with Carmelo? What's going to happen with Phil Jackson? Um, you know, if this becomes a power struggle between, between those two guys for control of the Knicks moving forward, you know, Carmelo's got the hammer with the no trade clause. And it will be kind of interesting if, if he really pushes his case to James Dolan to get rid of Phil Jackson, you know, what happens there? You know, you remember, Phil Jackson didn't want to hire Jeff Hornacek. He wanted to hire Kurt Rambis. Um, that that decision got shot down, so he ended up hiring Hornacek later. Um, you know, so we'll see. You know, I know I know James Dolan likes having a shield in the organization to to kind of keep him from taking the slings and arrows from the New York media when the team isn't doing well. And Phil Jackson's certainly doing that. But it'll be very fascinating to see you know how this all plays out over the next few months and and whether whether Carmelo or Phil wins what what seems to be pretty clearly now becoming a more public uh, power struggle. Uh, for control of the organization, especially given that Phil, you know, won't really talk to anybody about it other than, you know, certain people. Um, you saw the, the local beat writers yesterday uh, before their game with the with the Washington Wizards and didn't say anything to him. So, um, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens to move forward there. Uh, from Lorax1515, which team would be smartest to try and hire Hinky for next season? How will he fix that team? Uh, I have no idea which team would be smartest. Uh, I think Sam's a good, a smart executive. I think he'll be a good hire somewhere. And, uh, I think he'll, man, I think he'll run the team depending on the situation he's in. He, he, he had a certain plan for the Sixers, but I, I do not think that's the only plan he would have for any team. I think if he came to a team with, in a different situation, like say the Nets where they didn't have any draft picks, he would probably act in a different way than he did in Philly. So um, I hope he gets another job. So I think he's an interesting guy and it would be interesting to see what he did in another situation than the one he was in. From Romsky, uh, are there any backup point guards on the trade market that Cavs could get with their assets? I don't really know. Um, they're in kind of a tough spot. I, I think, you know, they, they could use a backup point guard. My guess is they might wait to the buyout market and try to try to get somebody that shakes free that way. Like, like say Ty Lawson did last year. Um, you know, I, I I would think maybe a guy like Brandon Jennings they could get, um, depending on what has with the Knicks. They want to try to give them some kind of really faraway asset just to to move him off of their books. Um, but I, I, you know, I just don't really, I don't really know who the obvious example is for them to try to go out and get. 
it will be, uh, you know, they're they're kind of an interesting spot. I I think they are probably better off trying to get another wing, um, you know, a guy like P.J. Tucker with the Phoenix Suns to to be a defensive player and to to kind of you know give them another athletic guy that they could throw at some of the bigger um, you know teams like to play go up against guys like Demar Derozan and Kevin Durant and give them another body against guys like that. But I I don't know quite what their uh, what their plan is going to be going forward in terms of assets because they just don't have a lot to trade. That's why it's been pretty remarkable to see everything that David Griffin's been able to do with the pieces that he's had at his disposal because he hasn't had that much to trade and he's turned it into a lot. Um, from Sage Novice, you were on the True Hoop Pop with Brian Windhorst when he dropped info about certain top players in the league don't love Kawhi Leonard getting this attention he has from the media. If you had to take a guess at the reasons why, um, what do you think they are? I don't know if it's that people don't people don't like the attention he's got from the media. I just think that there there is a perception among some players in the league. I think that Kawhi, you know, is kind of a product of the Spurs system. Um, you know, again, this is there are players around the league that aren't a huge fan of Steph Curry either. I mean, it's just kind of it's just kind of the way this is. It's not. I wouldn't take it as anything more than that. Uh, at the end of the day, Kawhi is one of the best players in the league, and he's uh, was a deserving Finals MVP in 2014, and he's going to be a probably a second team All NBA forward behind LeBron and Kevin Durant this year, and he's he continues to be you know if not the best defensive player in the league, probably second best uh, to Draymond Green. Uh, so he's a terrific player, and I wouldn't worry about any of that stuff uh, too much. From Rich Homie Klein, uh, what would it take for the Bulls to fire Gar Pax, uh, meaning Gar Foreman and John Paxson? Assuming that isn't possible, what moves would the Bills ma- would the Bulls make to become contenders in the East? And assuming you're feeling creative, what do you think the Bulls can do long term to ensure their success and not be in middle ground purgatory? Uh, well, the thing they could do to ensure their success is to try to find another star to play with Jimmy Butler. How that happens, I'm not sure. Um, and I don't think that Gar Foreman or John Paxson are going to go anywhere. Uh, it's just my opinion, but. Um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, if you look at the history of the way Jerry Reinsdorf, the owner of the Bulls, has run his businesses, he hasn't really gotten rid of executives. And um, if you look at if you look at the way, you know, he's run the White Sox, Kenny Williams has been the GM there or president there for, I think, close to 20 years now. Um, you know, Foreman and Paxson have been there a long time, and I, I don't really see that changing. Uh, it's the same thing I tell people about uh, the Washington Wizards with Ted Leonsis and Ernie Grunfeld. Um, you know, Ted Leonsis doesn't fire people. He didn't fire the GM of the Caps, uh, the last GM, George McKee, for almost 20 years. And he's had Ernie Grunfeld there for, for a really, I, ever since he bought the team officially in 2010, you know, he hasn't made a move. And so I, I think that, um, I think that that's going to remain the case in, in both spots. And, you know, those owners will stick with what, what's, you know, brought them to this point and they'll keep those guys around. Uh, from Blind Man Baldwin, uh, what's your thoughts on Jokic? I talked about this a little earlier. I, I can't really overall decide how do I feel about Nikola Jokic. I think he's a tremendous player. I don't know if he is a like long-term franchise superstar uh, like some people. I know my friend Tom Habistro is, is all in on Jokic, thinks he's tremendous. Um, I, I just really wonder, when you have a big like that that struggles on defense, it's just very hard to build a team around that guy. You have to do it in a certain way. Um, and I'm, I'm fascinated to see what happens there. Cause I'll tell you what, I just love watching that guy play. Cause you know, again, some of these passes he makes like that one behind the back, he threw to Jamal Murray is kind of a over the head lob to the rim for a layup. I mean, stuff like that, you just don't see anybody make, especially, uh, at a, you know, a six eleven guy who can shoot from three and, you know, drive, dribble the ball and bring it up court and go behind his back and go down the lane for a bucket. I mean, he, he's a really fun player. So, um, I don't know if he's a franchise chain, uh, like a franchise centerpiece, but, He's a really good player, and I, I would be certainly quite happy if he was on my team. 
uh, from Lapistola09. I feel like most trade rumors by respected journalists are then making logical guesses. Would you consider that to be the case? Uh, absolutely not. Um, there are times when people say, uh, I haven't heard this trade, but this would make a lot of sense to me, and then throw something out. But when people are writing about trade rumors, it's because somebody in the league told them, hey, or somebody's in the league told them, hey, uh, you know, we're talking about this, or we're talking about that, or we're thinking about this, or we're thinking about that. Um, you know, the, the respected journalists who are covering the league, you know, whether it's Adrian Wojnarowski or Mark Stein or Brian Winhurst or, um, you know, Chris Mannix or whoever, um, they're not, nobody's just making up trade rumors uh, for clicks. I mean, there are plenty of blogs that do that. And, and other places that are just like, hey, what do you think about these five trades for Carmelo Anthony? Um, you know, and there's some, t and, and like I said, there are times when people will say, hey, you know, if Carmelo's on the block, here are five places that make sense for him and lay out some trades. I think that's a, that's a different thing. But when you're in this scenario, I think you're talking about, hey, I'm hearing that Paul Millsap is being shopped around by the Hawks and, you know, that Denver is interested. Well, that's because Denver is interested. It's not because, um, you know, th that, that kind of stuff, you know, guys are, you know, everybody is covering this league for, you know, trying to find out what's going on and, and, you know, stuff gets out, you know, for a long time this year, the, 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 the Kings were trying to trade Rudy Gay and talking to a lot of teams about it. I mean, I, I know for a fact, Oklahoma city really wanted him. And if Cameron Payne hadn't gotten hurt, that trade very well may have happened. And they would have maybe got Cameron Payne and, and another piece, probably or something so for Rudy Gay. Um, but campaign got hurt. They didn't trade him. And now Rudy is unfortunately being offered a year with his torn Achilles. But, um, you know, trade talks happen all the time. And, you know, that when they get out, it's, you know, they get out to the media. Some, you know, it's just the way things work. So no, uh, nobody is, nobody is making up, uh, nobody is making logical guesses for, for trade rumors. Um, from stop for the clop, should John Wall stay with the Wizards? Uh, yes, he should. He's one of the top 15 best players in the league, probably. Um, fantastic player, and the Wizards should continue to try to build around him, not sell him off. He's in his prime. No reason to trade him. Um, you know, Washington's trying. Washington's got Bradley Beal. They got Otto Porter. Um, they should be. Uh, they should be in really good shape. Um, from Donnie Darko, what do you think the Warriors roster will look like next year? That's a great question. I think their big four will be back. Um, I think if they can bring him back, they'd probably like to bring back Zaza Pachulia. I wouldn't be surprised if Zaza's back again. Um, you know, he, he, he seems to really like it here and everybody here, you know, really likes him a lot. Um, just a, he's a great guy, good locker room guys. You saw the other day with the Russell Westbrook thing, he's going to have everybody's back. Um, so I, I, I could see him sticking around. Uh, the, I think Sean Livingston will probably get more money elsewhere and leave, um, the Warriors are not going to be able to pay everybody, so my guess is Sean will Sean will wind up on another team. Um, and the real question for me, you know, guys like Andre Iguodala are not Andre Iguodala. Uh, Patrick McCall will be back. Damian Jones will maybe need to play a bigger role. But the the real interesting thing is going to be um, what can the Warriors do with Andre Iguodala? Can they bring him back? Um, you know, they have there's a lot of Andre Iguodala fans inside the organization. They're going to want to keep him. Are they going to be able to pay him? Uh, will Kevin Durant take less than his full max in order to allow Andre Iguodala to come back uh, with his full bird rights? It will be very, very, very interesting to see how all of that plays out. Um, from Sid Moncrief, good, good handle. What are your thoughts on the Denver Nuggets? More specifically, the thought your the young trio of Gary Harris, uh, Nikola Jokic, and Emmanuel Moutier. Um, I've already talked about uh, these guys a lot. I'll just say that I really like Gary Harris a lot. Um, so I, I think he's a good two-way guard and, and a nice fit um, on just about any team right now. So that was a, you know, he's a guy that, that Denver should be hanging on to moving forward for sure. Um, 
why exactly are the Bulls from uh, drop at Dirk? Uh, why exactly are the Bulls at least not opposed to considering moving Jimmy Butler potentially? Um, well, because Jimmy Butler is one of the 10 best players in the league right now, and that's why. Um, I mean, there was a lot of talk about him at the draft. You know, the Bulls and, and Timberwolves both, you know, saying all kinds of things back and forth. You know, I, I would just say that, you know, the Bulls are – I could never see a scenario where they were going to trade him to uh, – to Tom Thibodeau, unless they got Carl Towns back personally, but that was just my opinion, because um, there's obviously no love lost between those two teams. But um, I would say at this point, uh, you know, the, the Bulls are right around a playoff spot. They really want, you know, you, you you don't find guys like Jimmy Butler every day. So you know, I would say that if you're the Bulls and you you have Jimmy Butler, who's in his prime, who's on a great contract, your better bet is to try to find guys to play around him. And to move him for young guys and start over. Um, you know, that doesn't mean they can't get bowled over with the right offer. And I think if they did get some kind of godfather offer of a, a bunch of picks and a bunch of young talent, then maybe they would move them. But it would take, a, I think, a home run trade for them to even think about doing it. Um, from Smugleaf Raptors, how do you think the Clippers should handle the impending free agencies of Chris Paul and Blake Griffin this summer? It's a fascinating question. Clippers are kind of stuck. They don't have a lot of assets. They have a lot of aging players. You can throw uh, J.J. Redick into that mix. Somebody in the league asked me last night, how much do I think J.J. Redick's going to get this summer? I would guess probably $20 million or more. Um, you know, you've got Chris Paul and Blake Griffin who both could get max contracts that could go well over $30 million a year. Um, you know, it's an aging core with the Clippers. They don't have draft picks moving forward. Um, you know, it's, it's a situation where they have to try to um, – they have to try to, to keep building this team because they don't have any other way uh, than to maybe hang on to these guys. So my guess is that Doc Rivers is going to want to try to bring the band back together again and, and see if they can't, you know, finally break through down the road. But at some point you have to wonder with this group when when are things going to start going, you know, sideways uh, in terms of age and and health issues long term for these guys and um, you know has maybe the window for them to really make the run we all thought they always were going to maybe kind of already passed them by uh, from Royal Lake uh, Ricky Rubio situations clear that when they run through him the Wolves are better keep him trade him uh, I think the Bulls are probably gonna are the Bulls I think the Wolves are probably gonna eventually trade him um, they like Chris Dunn he's he is their few long-term answer at point guard um, Ricky is a good player. I, I've always been a big Ricky fan. He's a terrific defender. He's a, obviously a great passer, um, but his shooting is an issue. And with the way the NBA is now, it's kind of hard to have a really good team if your point guard can't shoot. So um, my guess is they move him for for some other assets. Maybe if they could trade him for a power forward uh, that could space the floor a little bit for them and play next to Carl Towns, that would help. Um, but but my guess is eventually at some point, you know, Rubio gets dealt somewhere and. Uh, and that that's the the long term answer to that that question. Um, let's see. Uh, from Coog one one seven. Besides the Cavs and Warriors, who could be considered dark horse teams for the finals this year? I would say uh, in each conference, you'd have to look at uh, the the Houston Rockets and the Toronto Raptors. Not that they're dark horses, but if any team is going to wind up getting out of each each half of the the league, I would say it's those two teams. And and uh, you know, for Toronto especially, they're going to need to um, to make a move to improve their roster. And I, I would say probably the same for Houston too. I, I think as currently, they both can't. Um, they both can't do it with what they've got, barring barring Cleveland or Golden State getting hurt. Um, the you know the interesting thing is if Toronto could somehow get their hands on Paul Millsap, 
I think that then becomes a competitive Eastern Conference Finals. I don't think they would win, but it would be competitive, and it would be really, that'd be a really interesting series. So, um, but I, I would say right now those are the two teams I look at and say, well, if everything breaks right, you know, maybe maybe they could slip in if somebody gets hurt or something happens. Uh, from Crisscross four two four, how many games are the Warriors going to lose in the playoffs before the finals? I've got two at most. Um, I mean, who knows? They could they could lose several. I mean, you know, if they play, let's say they play. Uh, the Clippers in the second round and they play the Rockets in the conference finals, they could lose a couple games to each of those teams. I don't think they'd lose either series, but it, they could both be competitive. So, you know, we'll see. And you never know. Last year they, they had injuries, things happened. Uh, you know, they wound up losing five games before they got to the NBA finals. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, from Indian, from Indian bad, uh, Malcolm Brogdon, rookie of the year. Uh, no, Joel Embiid is going to be rookie of the year. Now, if you're, is your question, is Malcolm Brogdon the best rookie drafted this year so far? I, I think you can make a real case for that. Um, you know, he's been terrific and this rookie class has not been impressive. So, um, yeah, I, I think you could, I think you could definitely make that case, but Joel Embiid is going to win the award for sure. Um, from Portland Blazer, what are your thoughts on teams packaging assets and future picks for a star to try to contend in the short term? Uh, do you think there's a chance any teams take that risk in the near future? I think any trade you have to look at and see, does it make sense or not for where the team currently is? Um, if you have a team like Cleveland and you're trading a future first round pick for Kyle Korver, um, you know, it's different than if the Philadelphia 76ers are trading future first round pick for Kyle Korver, right? I mean, it's, it's all within the context of the team you have. If you're on the brink of a championship or you have a chance of winning, you know, like let's, Let's talk about uh, let's talk about Paul Millsap in Toronto, like I said before, right? Let's say that Paul Millsap gets traded for Terrence Ross and Norman Powell and uh, Jared Sullinger and uh, Jakob Pertl and a first round pick. Okay, so you're giving up Norman Powell, Jakob Pertl, a first round pick, Terrence Ross, like all young players uh, and a pick that could be around for a while in Toronto to get Paul Millsap, who's 31 or 32, but one of the 25 best players in the league or 30 best players in the league. And that gives you going from a 5% chance to say a 25 or 30% chance of beating Cleveland in a series. If you're that close to winning a championship, I think that's fine. I think, you know, you've got Kyle Lowry, who's in his 30s or going to be. Um, you've got DeMar DeRozan, who's in his prime now. You, you, your window is right now to try to win. Um, in that case, I'm, I'm all for trading a guy and turning him into something that can help you win right now. If you're a team like the Sixers, um, you should be building for three years from now. That's why I was so upset with what the Knicks did this summer because they spent they, they went out and signed all of these players that were in the same age bracket as Carmelo Anthony, um, which I thought was a giant mistake because their their future is built around Chris Esporzingis, and they should have been going out and either saving their money for this summer or going out and finding younger guys that could grow with Porzingis um, as part of a core moving forward instead of having... Um, instead of having these aging players that are going to be stuck on the salary cap uh, for years going forward as Porzingis grows into his prime. Uh, from from Ben Roll 1, uh, does D-Rose deserve a max contract? Absolutely not. Uh, candidates for sixth man of the year, I think Evan, I think Eric Gordon is the runaway winner of that award at this point. He's been fantastic for Houston. Um, what is in store for 10th overall pick Thon Maker? Uh, he was always going to be a project for Milwaukee, and I, I think that's what we've seen. And you know, their hope is that a couple of years from now he can grow into a, a solid rotation player in their front court to go along with Jabari and Giannis. And given the amount of talent they have on the team, and frankly, what this draft looks like um, after a few months, I, I think that was more than a worthy gamble for them. 
Uh, King Rickaroo, fourth seed up for grabs, seems up for grabbing the East. Does Atlanta keep it or does the team leapfrog them by the end of the season? Uh, if Atlanta doesn't trade Paul Millsap, I think they could very well line up with the fourth seed. Uh, if they do trade him, I think I think Washington's most likely to end up there. Um, but the way the Wizards have played over the last month, I would not be surprised if, you know, right now they're, what, four games behind Boston, three games behind Boston, I think, after last night. Um, I, I would not be at all surprised if by the end of the season the Wizards get into that third seed. Um, I really like Washington. If they stay healthy, you know, I, I think they've got a chance to really move up these standings quite a bit and uh, and, and maybe get even higher. But I, I, I think that... Um, by the end of the season, you know, Washington will probably be by Atlanta because I think Atlanta is going to wind up trading more guys uh, between now and the uh, the All-Star break. Or between now and the trade deadline, I should say. Um, can, from Real Shoebox, can, can Gordon Hayward and Rudy Gobert lead the Jazz to the Western Conference Finals? Uh, do I think the Jazz will get to the Western Conference Finals? No. Do I think it's possible? Yes. Um, I, I think that... Really, after that, for after the Warriors, I, I think you can kind of look at um, the Clippers, the Jazz. Clippers went healthy. The Jazz, the Spurs, and the Rockets. And I wouldn't be shocked if any of those teams got that far. I'd also put Memphis in that group. I think any of them could. Uh, um, I think any of them could get as far as the uh, as the Western Conference Finals if everything breaks right. But I think the most likely scenario is that Utah winds up in that four five. Um, they play. Uh, they play a game there, or they, they win a first round series, and then they lose to the Warriors in the second round. I mean that uh, I think I think Utah's going to get the fourth seed. I think they're going to be favored to make it out of the first round, and then they'll probably lose a, a, a pretty competitive series with the Warriors. But that's um that's that's just my read on things on how it's going to play out. We'll uh we'll see we'll see what the what the long term outcome is. Should be should be interesting to see though. I do like that Utah team. Rudy Gobert has made a big step forward. Hayward has been great. I think they both should make the all-star team. Um, should be a nice moment for Utah and hopefully they can keep that group together going forward because they've spent a long time building it. And, you know, I, I think they've got a chance to really be an interesting team in the Western Conference over the next few seasons. It should be fun to uh, to watch it play out. Um, let's see. A lot of these questions are repeats. Uh, from Enobot, uh, considering where Jabari Parker and Andrew Wiggins are in their development, who will be an all-star first? I think that uh, I think that Jabari's going to be an All Star first. I, I think you know maybe they're both going to be All Stars next year, but um, I would say that uh, I would say that uh, Jabari's going to be an All Star next season, and I I wouldn't be shocked if he was one this season. I don't think he'll get voted in, but he's been he's been absolutely tre- tremendous. Uh, like I said earlier, and and I think going forward, you know that that pairing of him and Giannis, it's going to be hard for me to come up with a better combo in the league to have than that. Um, from from EAH two thousand two. What is your favorite podcast to uh, to be on? Uh, the True Pod is great. You know the evil producer Jade Hoy. Uh, it's one of my one of my crying achievements, giving him that nickname. Uh, but he he does an incredible job. Has a lot of uh, different people on. A lot of my friends are on all the time. Uh, you know, get to be on there with Havistro and Windhorse and Kevin Pelton and uh, Amin and uh, Ethan Strauss. There's just a lot of a lot of guys I'm I'm good friends with. Um, really, really like being part of that community. And obviously the fan base for it is, uh, is intense and, and, and into the show and, and really enjoys it. So it's, uh, it's a lot of fun to be on with those guys, uh, all the time. And I'm glad I get to be a, uh, glad I get to be a small part of that, that whole community. Um, from Lampe, what in your opinion is the skill or stat that's most overlooked in the NBA draft? Huh? Um, I don't know if there's anything that's overlooked um, what I would say though is that a lot of times you see guys that in college are just really good basketball players, 
that tend to be overlooked because they don't have the measurables in some way. Um, Malcolm Brogdon is an example this year. Draymond Green is an example from the past. Um, it's not always the case that a guy who's good in college is good in the pros. I mean, there, there are plenty of guys like Aaron Kraft who um, you know, just aren't good enough to be NBA players, um, or Kyle Singler, say. But like a lot of these guys that are really good college players that are elite college players for a long time, you know, they, they wind up being pretty decent pros because they just know how to play. Um, and you know, Draymond and Brogdon are two really good examples of that. So, um, I, I, so I guess what I would say is just maybe there's maybe the part I'd say is overlooked is too much of a focus on oh man, this guy's got so much potential to be awesome uh, because a lot of those boomer bust guys wind up being bust. And the guys that the guys that maybe slip a little farther than they should are guys that you just know are solid and you kind of know what they are. And you know, Brogdon and Green are two of those guys who are both second round picks, early second round picks who immediately stepped in and were really good. And part of that was because they were ready to play um, and knew how to play. And I, I think that might be a little overrated. From Troublesome, why is isn't Isaiah Thomas a franchise player? I, I just think it's really hard to build a team like I was talking about Nikola Jokic. I think it's hard to build a team around Isaiah. Um, he needs a ball in his hands all the time. Um, he's a fantastic player. He deserves to be on the all-star team this year. He's been much better this year than last year. He's taken a giant step forward, which I give him all the credit in the world for. Um, but he's terrible on defense in large part because he's just very small. And that just fundamentally makes it hard for him to hold up at that end. And I, I think you look at the situation in, in Boston and he's a perfect fit for them because they don't really have anybody else that needs the ball. So he can just have the ball all the time and put up huge stats, um, and they're a pretty good team, but I just don't know if he's a guy that, if he's your number one guy, you're really going to get farther than the first or, or say, maybe second round of the playoffs. Um, from Nah Man, uh, how much of an effect will the new CBA have the value on draft picks? What sort of unintended consequences or circumstances do you think could arise from the new CBA? Um, I don't think I think the draft picks are going to become less valuable now because they'll be more in line with where they should be on the pay scale. Um, they're going to be tied to the salary cap moving forward, which I think is a very wise move. Um, it's one that needed to happen. You know, they, the first round picks were just being paid too little, which made them too valuable for people. Um, so I think that is a good thing. Um, I, I'm curious to see from the from the from the uh, the new CBA how the increases in in cap holds impact things and the increases in the minimum salary teams are going to have less salary cap space now than before um the obviously designated player exception is going to be a very interesting wrinkle moving forward in terms of uh figuring out you know whether guys are going to stay with teams so i also think that as i've written extensively you know i, I think people um people were overrating the impact of that because very few players are actually going to qualify for it. Like for instance, I don't think Paul, Paul George isn't going to qualify for it after this season. If he doesn't make uh, an all NBA team and Paul George is one of the, you know, whatever, 15 best players in the league. So we're talking about a pretty small number of guys that are going to be impacted by it. So um, it'll be, it'll be really interesting to see uh, what happens with all that stuff, but it's just too hard to know right now how that stuff is going to look two or three years from now. There were rules that were put in the last CBA, like changing the extension rules, for example, that you could tell, you know, after the first summer were already a problem. And, you know, I think we'll have a much better idea of some of the ramifications of this new deal after we get through this summer and we see what this looks like moving forward. Um, from Pop Wall, how do you rank the point guards in the East? Also, do you see the Pistons being competitive in the East three to five years from now? Uh, how do I rank the point guards in the East? Uh, well, right now, I would say they are uh, 
Kyle Lowry, John Wall, Kyrie Irving, Isaiah Thomas, and Kemba Walker are the five best point guards. Um, I was just trying to think of how I would have ranked them for the All-Star vote. Um, that's that's the order I'd put them in if you're you're going for one uh, one game uh, or one season. Um, and as for the Pistons part, I like the Pistons a lot. Uh, I do wonder about their mix right now. Um, you know, they've, they've had some injuries this year now. Ken, Ken Davis, Caldwell Pope is out. Reggie Jackson missed the first several weeks, obviously. Um, I, they have a lot of guys that like to t- like to play in the ISO game, which makes their offense kind of weird sometimes. Uh, Andre Drummond, I don't think, has quite improved the way that I thought he was going to improve. Um, so that surprised me a little bit. Um, but they have a terrific coach, Stan Van Gundy. I think they've been run well. I think they've made a lot of smart moves. And they might need a guy like Stanley Johnson to really take a big leap for them in order to kind of change their ceiling from what it is right now. But I, I would bet on the Pistons winding up being pretty good. they got a lot of young guys. Um, you know, they've got a smart coach. They've got talent. I, I think they're going to wind up being okay. Uh, from namesake go, are the Raptors still underrated? No, I don't think so. I mean, they, they're the second best team in the East. They have, they're going to have two guys in the all-star, all-star game again. Uh, I think, I think they're going to be just fine. So no, I, I don't, I don't think they're overrated. I think, I think people know how good they are and, and, uh, they get a lot of credit for being a, a team that's, that's really maximized what they're, uh, what they're about at this point. Um, from Hunter Ross, 11, what should the magic do? Should they try to make moves to save their season? Should they give up? Who should they move? Who should they keep? Uh, man, I don't know what the Magic should do. I don't know what they were doing last summer. Uh, I, I think they should play Aaron Gordon at power forward, first of all. So I would sell off Serge Ibaka. I would not try to save their season, no. Um, I would sell off Serge Ibaka. I would try to sell off, you know, basically anybody on the roster. I wouldn't, I would keep Aaron Gordon, um, because I like his long-term potential. Um, if, if they're out on Mario Hazonia, I'd try to get something for him. But, you know, I know a lot of people around the league are not very big on Hazonia, uh, and don't don't think that much of him, so I I'm not uh, I'm not convinced they're going to be able to get a lot for him. Um, but I would I would definitely keep Aaron Gordon. I'd play him at power forward. I would I would try to get a look at Hazonia, and I would basically take every other guy in the roster and just try to get something for him and just tear this thing down because the mix they have I, I just don't think has worked, and I, it's just hard for me to see what this group is going to do right now with what they've got. So um, it's tough to say that since they haven't made the playoffs in several years and they've built them through the draft, but these, this is the perils of trying to build through the draft. They don't. They, you could argue they don't have one guy that's a quality starter on their team right now. Um, so it's a it's a tough situation to be in, and I, I would say they've got to just tear it down and start over and try to you know try to see what they've got in Gordon and and and, and go from there. Uh, Boogie for Bradley Amir, Nets first round pick from Giants SAP. Uh, who says no? And if it works, uh, would a backcourt of Lonzo Ball and Bradley be a good start for the Kings? Mark's cousin isn't getting traded, so this is a non-starter. He's going to sign a $200 million extension on July 1st, and he's not going to go anywhere um, because he's not going to turn down that kind of money. If he got traded, he would get about $80 million less. And some people might say, well, I mean, he's going to get $135 million. What's wrong with that? That's a ton of money. Sure it is. It's also $80 million less than what he could get. And just to put it in context, he hasn't made $80 million yet in his career. So, no, he is not going to trade $80 million to go to another team. End of story. He's going to sign his, uh, he's going to sign his deal and he's going to go from there. Uh, from Danny LaRue, my guy. Uh, what is the first round series you would most like to see in each conference? That is a great question. Uh, I would like to see just about any series in the West. Uh, I think Oklahoma City and uh, Houston would be great. Um, I think San Antonio and Memphis could be very interesting with their with their with their combinations of bigs. Um, I, I think that 
Uh, Utah and the, and the Clippers would be fascinating um, because I, I don't know if the Clippers would win that series. And uh, if Cl the Clippers lose in the first round, that would be, uh, you know, who knows what that would do to the earlier question about what the Clippers are going to do um, do in, uh, in free agency this summer. Uh, it, it, it will be really fascinating to see. So I, I like to see just about any series there. Um, in the East, uh, I, I don't know. There's none that really jump out to me. Um, I think Washington against Toronto would be interesting at some point in the playoffs because, you know, they, you'd have John Wall and, and Bradley Beal against Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan. You'd have, uh, you know, you'd have Marcin Gortat against Valanciunas. I think those teams are very similar, so that would be interesting. Um, so I, I, I do think that. I do think that'd be an interesting matchup. I'd love to see Milwaukee play Toronto. Um, DeMar DeRozan against Chris Middleton would be really interesting. Um, those are the kind of guys DeMar has always struggled with. Um, you know, Boston, another team, Boston, Milwaukee, you know, I love to see Milwaukee play just about anybody, but Boston, Milwaukee be interesting. Uh, Boston, Atlanta would be interesting again with Al Horford and, and, uh, now being on the Celtics, uh, that would be an interesting series. So I, I'm more excited about the possibilities in the West, but I, I do think there's some intriguing options in the, uh, the East too. Um, from J Powell 771, where is Giannis's ceiling? Uh, consistent all NBA best stop, best player on the top four seed. Uh, I think he can win an MVP. I mean, I, I don't see what the floor is for that guy or what the ceiling is for that guy. I mean, um, he can he can do basically everything on the court. He's a seven-foot-tall point guard right now. I mean, he's he's destroying things. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I really think that there is no ceiling on him, especially if he could shoot a little bit more. Um, from Bismack, uh, from Bismack Mabiambo, does DeMar have a shot at most improved player? No, he's just scoring a little more. I, I don't really... I don't really think he's got a shot at that kind of a thing. Um, I, I don't know off the top of my head who would win that award. I hate that award, but I don't. I wouldn't vote Demar for it. Uh, from Pool Nick uh, Five, what will be the next team in each conference to make the finals? Not names the Cavs or Warriors. In the East, I'm going to go with the Milwaukee Bucks. In the West, I must go with the Timberwolves. Uh, I'm going to go with the Timberwolves. I, I I've been burned by the Timberwolves this year. Obviously, I said they were going to win 50 games. They are definitely not going to do that. Uh, but they have a ton of young talent. They've got a good coach. They could end up with another really good pick this year. And I think I think the Warriors are going to be good for a while. And when they're not, I, I think I think the uh, the Wolves could be right there uh, to, to take the spot from them. Um, how much a triple double from my final question here from my unique username? How much a triple double is worth if you miss sixteen or more shots in the game? When, if at all, can you call it a bad game when at the same time getting a triple double? Um. Well, I mean, you can call it a bad game if a guy goes like 10 for 35 and his team loses by 20 and he gets a triple-double. But, I mean, look, at the bottom, the bottom line is if you're getting a triple-double, you're helping your team out a lot. And there are very few cases where it's the Ricky Davis, like, hey, let me chuck the ball off the backboard and get the rebound and get a triple-double situation. I mean, a lot of times it's, uh, a lot of times it's you know, guys are having a, a huge night and they manage to get it and their team wins. So, I mean, I think this year, you know, you're probably referring to Russell Westbrook. I want to say that the Thunder are something like, 18 and four when he gets a triple double this year or 16 and six or something. So it's clearly helping a lot when he, uh, when he manages to do that for them to, uh, for them to, for, to, you know, get wins like at that rate. So, um, you know, I, if I would take, uh, I would take Russell Westbrook on my team, uh, in, uh, in that situation. Um, I got a couple questions on Twitter today. Quick. Let me, let me answer those real quick. Uh, who is more likely to be traded, Boogie or Anthony Davis? Any predictions where neither one will get traded? Um, so that that one's easy. Uh, do you think the league's center surplus is resolvable, or will many teams end up being unable to move their unwanted centers? Um, 
Yeah, I think that uh, that's a really interesting thing going on in the league right now where so many teams have uh, have these centers that they, they, they wouldn't mind trading, but there aren't a lot of homes for them. You know, I think it's funny that it wasn't long ago that people were saying the center position was obsolete, nobody needed one, and uh, why do we even talk about it anymore? And now there are way more centers than there are, you know, wing players that are good. Um, so I, I think that that's, uh, I think that's really going to be something to monitor. A guy like Yusuf Nurkic should have a lot of value on the trade market, but will anybody really want to trade an asset for him when there's so many of them around? Um, so yeah, it'll be really interesting to see. Uh, from Quail Map, final question for this time for real. Uh, do we underappreciate agent slash front office relationships when evaluating transactions? Any way to avoid this? Um, I think it's I don't I think it's under underestimated by the general public. I don't know if it is by people in the league who kind of see what's going on, but but no, I mean I, I think about it this way: it's it the NBA is a business, right? So if you have a better relationship with somebody, you're going to do more business with them, and I think you see that a lot. Where you know it's not that agents are necessarily steering guys to a certain team, but if an agent has a good relationship with a team, they're going to tell their client, hey, if you go to this team, they're going to treat you right. And that, you know, clients listen to their agents. And a lot of they'll do it, you know, they, they, they take that advice seriously. So um, I, I do think it might be underestimated by some people. But at the same time, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a natural course of business. And I, I, think that's, uh, I think that's just the way things work. All right, so I think that's been enough here. I've given you about 15 minutes of questions answered. So thank you to uh, thank you to everybody who sent questions in. I think we got through a lot of them. Uh, hopefully you liked what you heard. Um, you know, thank you to uh, everybody who's given us a five star rating and review on iTunes. If you could do that, that would be great. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Tim Montemps. You can follow me on Facebook at Tim Montemps NBA. Uh, go find the music of Glenn Yoder in the Western States on the internet. They do the theme music for the pod. Glenn's the the sports digital editor for the post was a great job. Good friend of mine. Uh, so go support them if you would. Um, go support my colleagues at the Washington Post. Got a lot of great work going on there. Got a lot of great podcasts you should check out for sure. Um, like Sequiza, uh, go Chris Eliza's po- uh, quiz show podcast every week. Hope to go on it at some point. So go check that out. Um, you know, and and go subscribe to the paper. Obviously today, uh, you know, is inauguration day and. You know, there, there's a lot that's going to be happening. I think it's safe to say, and and you should you should throw a little money uh, to the paper and uh, and subscribe and and read the best newspaper in the world, in my opinion, and and keep up with everything that's happening because you know I think it's safe to say we're going to need uh, need to know what's going on. So um, thank to all thank you to all of you who submitted questions. Thanks to all of you who have listened to this podcast. Um, like I said, hope to be back next week with a couple more. Try to get back in the swing of things on a regular basis here. But um, thanks again to to everybody for listening. Really appreciate it. And and look forward to talking to you all again soon.